What's up, Bike Boomer fans? As it happened, I made a last-minute trip to Bentonville for the launch of a new mountain bike I can't quite tell you about yet. And that happened to coincide with Outer Bike and the Big Sugar Gravel Race. And since I don't like having any free time whatsoever, I squeeze in an interview with Gary Vernon, who I'll sum up as the orchestrator of all things bike advocacy and infrastructure in Bentonville, Arkansas. If you haven't been to Bentonville to ride, all I can say is this. When you finally do go, and I do mean when, not if, your mind will be absolutely blown. Talking about bike lanes and access and trails is one thing, but seeing how they've made it an integral part of their entire community and city planning is honestly beyond words. But that doesn't mean we can't try. So if you're at all involved in your city's planning or your local bike advocacy group, or you just wanna hear what's possible and get inspired to make cycling better in your own community, this episode will absolutely open your eyes to what's possible. Here we go. Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. So tell everybody, you know, what is your role here in Benville? Well, I lead the, the uh, cycling and trail development work for Tom and Stuart Walton's personal foundation, as well as work for Blue Crane, which is their development company. Development like commercial? Commercial development, you know, land acquisition. So we work with that team pretty closely when it comes to, you know, building trail, connected trail to different communities, building event spaces, and uh, just trying to build out this network of trails around the region and around the state. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah, it must be something else to have that kind of resources behind trail building and bike infrastructure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's no wonder uh, Benville's kind of ahead of the game in that regard. So there's a few different things that I want to talk about. And kind of the point of this is sort of, you know, for people who haven't been to Bentonville, when you do finally make it here, your mind is just going to be blown out. You're literally going down the street and there's almost nowhere you can look where you don't see at least some part of a bike lane or single track or both because they literally just weave throughout the entire city. So you know, if you're involved in bicycling advocacy in your city, or you know people who are, get them to listen to this, or you know, if you work for the city and you're in charge of infrastructure and development, this is worth listening to and probably worth coming to Bentonville on a research trip. So right now, I just want to kind of go through some of the cool stuff that I've noticed and some of the programs you guys are running and have you explain like how they came to be, what the benefit is, why you're doing those. And um, there's one that just wrapped up. It was the Bike Bentonville. It was a campaign with the different schools to get kids motivated to ride as if they need any more. Um, tell me about that. You know, that was just uh, an idea to uh, kind of have a challenge to our local school district you know, can they increase the number of kids that are riding to school? And uh, we had a little financial, you know, incentive to the winner, and which was Willowbrook Elementary. And then if you went by their school during a normal week, they'd have 250 bicycles out front. And uh, one of the challenges is we got to get more bike racks for them because they're leaning against the fence and against the building and all that. But it's a wonderful problem to have. That's amazing because literally, I think the last couple of years of school, my son was the only person at his middle school and my school, high school that was riding his bike to school. Like, I'm not exaggerating. And this year, he's got a couple of friends to join him. But the problem was there was one bike rack that could hold like maybe four bikes. And it was almost disincentivized or discouraged for them to ride. And they even changed like when the kids who walked to school they actually started holding those kids later than the car pickup line. So they would let the kids out first so that the walkers didn't get away in, in the way of the cars oh, coming to pick up their kids. Like it was just so backwards. And I'm, I look at like programs like this where, you know, like why would you not encourage, you know, healthy, active behavior? 
But I think part of it is you guys already have the sidewalks, the bike lanes in place. So what was, there was like an ulterior motive to doing this, I heard as well, like gathering data, right? Well, I mean, I, you know, back up when I moved here in 2003, I lived in Missouri, you know, an hour away. I moved here back in 2003 and, and there wasn't, wasn't much going on when it came to, to mountain bike. Uh, there wasn't a mountain bike scene and there, there was, wasn't all the connected trails and the, and the paved trails and all that. So what has been proven here is if you build that infrastructure, which has, you know, really started the mountain bike trail started in 2007 and, and over the past 14, 15 years, this has all been built up. But what is proven is, you build it and they will come. We've proven that, but also they will become is kind of what we say. We've seen just the organic movement of people, kids getting on bikes. And this town has become a bike town as you see it today. But it's it's proven that any community, if they invest in the infrastructure and support it as a community, and this was not just a, a foundation writing a check and it made it all happen. This is the volunteer organic movement that happened because of the mountain bike trails, the park director, David Wright, seeing the, you know, the positive impact in his parks by becoming kind of a mountain bike park that is now Slaughter Pen to our, our tourism director, Kayleen Griffith, promoting us as a region to, to travel into and ride your bike. So, you know, and the mayor understanding that this was, this is a just really a, a collaborative effort by all the stakeholders and, um, that's what's happened over the past, really the past decade. And and what makes Bentonville super special is, sure, you can ride the sidewalks and you ride some paved trail, but our mountain bike connective trails, kids can ride their bike from home on a mountain bike trail to school. And for instance, you know, we live in Bella Vista, the town north of here, and we can, my son can ride a single track trail nine miles, or he could ride a hundred miles if he wanted to, but he can ride nine miles a short way on single track without having to get on a road and roll up to the parking lot of his high school or junior high school. That's awesome. And um, accessibility has been the answer to where we see groups, you know, families, kids, groups that you know probably wouldn't have got into it if they had to throw their bike on a rack and drive an hour or two hours. They, they just probably wouldn't get into the sport. But since it's a neighborhood sport and friends or instead of going to play basketball or whatever, they jump on their bikes and go ride the new trail. And it's it's really been fun to see that happen. Yeah, I've kind of thought about building some gorilla trail along uh, some unused areas in our town just to connect little bits that we ride to and from, you know, for the shopping center and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's fun to see that. Well, let's talk mileage. There's 400 and some, like almost 500 miles of mountain bike trail within the greater Northwest Arkansas area. I think you guys collectively call it the Oz trails, right? Yes. How much of that's actually in Bentonville proper? Well, well, you can leave the Bentonville square and ride 150 miles a single track. That's Bentonville, Bella Vista. Without leaving city limits. Well, Bella Vista too, I guess. Yep. Bella Vista was a, a golf and fishing retirement village, you know, and, and it's hill country it has ravines between each neighborhood, which became a, a perfect place to build mountain bike trails that are connected. So that Bella Vista has a hundred miles of trail. Bentonville has around 50. And it and of course we build in the state we average two miles of new trail per week. And that's with 130 trail builders, several companies going around building trails for us. And it's not about we're not trying to go crazy on quantity. We're trying to build quality, but we just have a lot of a lot of ideas and a lot of things we want to do. And and uh, so we're building trail. And not only are we building new trail, but we're also 
improving other, you know, as we were kind of experimenting, Bentonville is kind of an experimentation. We try to build different styles of trail. We, we recruit the best trail builders in the nation to come here and try something, try their, do their art, you know, and they're using different surfaces, even like chip and seal, like you'd have a road. We, you know, some of our trails that maybe get eroded because they're, you know, the bigger berms and the, and the wider trail that would carry water. I mean, we were using different uh, materials like a coarse crushed stone and sand on a polymer base to make a, uh, make it a trail with a road type surface where, you know, there's no maintenance. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's going to be huge. Cause I think that's one of the deterrents for a lot of cities. Like I know our city kind of hemmed and hawed for a long time on building a pump track because they weren't sure who's going to maintain it, you know, and it's hard to rely on the, the kids in the community to do that. I think, you know, at least maybe not in this community, but you know, and then the city doesn't want to add another line item expense to theirs to have to maintain all this stuff. So yeah, I think when you can build it, I've seen more and more pump tracks being built using a hard, you know, kind of permanent surface. We really have uh, experimented on that and asphalt for pump tracks is the way to go. You know, you'd look at it and think, well, that's dangerous. And it's actually, you see less accidents on a, on a smooth asphalt surface, better traction. You know, you don't have the rubble and the loose dirt that slides out. Again, it doesn't erode. So we, we were so thrilled with, you know, Vela Solutions built several pump tracks for us. We built some custom shotcrete pump tracks, and they were such a big hit that we had a dirt jump park in Rogers called a rail yard, you know, using clay base. And every time we'd have a big thunderstorm, we'd have to close for several days and have to be a lot of handwork to repair it. So we, we decided to step out there and we asphalted that dirt jump park. And uh, I was a little worried that our dirt snobs would, uh, would, would not like it, but it's been a home run. Even had Mike Rucker, you know, the, the BMX dirt jump guru himself, Red Bull rider, you know, came and rode it. And, and I asked him, I'm like, you know, Mike, what do you think? And he, he fell in love with it. Couldn't believe it. Nice. Now, we, we still love dirt. We're not doing all hard surface, but we do know if somebody's driving here 12 hours from Houston to spend the weekend riding, we want them to be able to ride no matter what the weather is. So we've got our areas where you can ride no matter if it's raining or not. And then we have our other areas and we may close during a rainstorm, but try to quickly open when it dries up. All right, cool. I want to go back to two things. First is I, I want to kind of like drive home your point of that. It's become the culture here. So the last time we were rolling through with my family, we literally saw, and apologies for not getting this right or not knowing which one, but they were either Amish or Mennonite girls, but in, you know, full dress, yes. hat, everything with like legit full suspension mountain bikes, you know, $5,000 bikes. And they're just hanging out like in their full normal dress. And we're like, whoa, okay. When you see that, you're like, all right. You know, I got to meet them first time about three or four years ago. They were driving from Missouri through here to go to a wedding in, I think, Louisiana. So they're like a known element. They're, they're like, known oh, element. They are. Known oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, they, they popped out at Kohler and had their, you know, their coveralls on, their suspenders and jeans, no helmets, some of them, riding quality bikes, you know, shredding Kohler, you know, our mountain bike park to the east. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And they, they're regulars. That's awesome. They live here? Or? No, they live in Missouri. That's awesome. And then the other thing that I'm kind of spacing on. So I'm going to come back to it. Oh, oh, yeah, the um, the data collection. So that schools program, I heard also that it was not just to incentivize kids to go, but that the teachers or whoever was kind of talking to students, saying like, well, hey, did you have any trouble getting here? Or was there any, you know, like unsafe intersections? Did you think mm-hmm. that you needed a sidewalk here? And so it was a way to not just, you know, get some money into schools and convince more kids to ride, but also to see where those gaps in infrastructure were, right? 100%. We're always trying to chase that data. 
And some of the other data we have is we have, you know, bike programs in school. Like one of the ones that's been really successful is the Strider Balance Bike Program. We partnered with the Strider Foundation and uh, we've got 45 going on 50 schools in the, in the state. Most of them up here, but we're, we're spreading it around where there's a PE program where they learn how to balance on a bike. And the Strider 14X has got, you know, where you can use your feet and push around and then you can bolt on a, a crank and chain and make it a pedal bike. So kindergarten kids are learning how to ride in PE. And we learned that, you know, we had other programs and later on in school, you know, like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, but they're not successful if, if the most of the kids don't have that basic ability to balance and pedal a bike. So we said, let's back up, let's start them in kindergarten. That way it's an even playing field. Most of those kids are learning for the first time or, you know, there'll be a few of them that are experts at, at four and five years old, but most of them are learning. And so that has been a huge hit. If you watch, I, we just rolled one out with the governor down in Little Rock. He, he came to one of the schools with the mayor and rolled out a program. And these, these kindergarten kids, you can tell a lot of them were just, then you know really how to balance the bike. But after a couple of laps in the gym, they started getting better and better. And like in a matter of 10 minutes, they figured it out. So that, that whole Strider balance bike program is a home run. No training wheels needed. So we're excited about that. And we're using data. The data from the P teachers are telling us how many kids learned how to ride, how long it took, things like that. So we're being able to justify and get sponsorships from other communities to be able to continue to roll the program out. Yeah, it's amazing. I actually went to my kids when they were much younger and, you know, like grade school, elementary school, and did that like one day to try and help kids. And it wasn't striders and stuff. It was just like, bring your bikes. And we brought a few of the extra bikes we had and try. It was like shocking and appalling how many students did not know how to ride a bike, didn't own a bike, had never tried to ride a bike. And these are, you know, kids that are 7, 8, 10, 12. I'm like, whoa, really? There, there, was a, there was a study done a few years ago. I think Washington Post uh, put it in, in one of their articles. And and that's basically basically saying that there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids each year that will never learn how to ride a bike that 20 years ago they would have been on a bike. And you'd had a have a bike to go to the neighborhood to meet your friends, which now with our technology, they can sit in the room and communicate around the world. So there's no reason to learn how to ride a bike. And that's scary. Yeah. So I don't think I had a single friend when I was growing up that didn't own a bike, you know, whether or not they used it a lot, but like all my friends rode oh, yeah. bikes everywhere we wanted to go. You had to, otherwise you had to wait for sister to get off the phone and, <laughs> you know, to talk to somebody. Yeah, I think that's amazing when so many school programs and systems everywhere are just canceling and cutting PE funding that you guys are like adding this. It's amazing. And uh, so now I got to ask, like, what's the obesity rate here? What's the, you know, health and sickness rates for people from inactivity? It's got to be low. Well, in Northwest Arkansas, it continues to get better and better. The state of Arkansas is is not good. You know, we've had a lot of rural communities and we're that's why we're working with the governor and the state health department to try to get these active programs in schools, because if you, you know, if you look at the stats, historically, Arkansas was low on the list. But uh, if you look here locally, you know, we are we are active. And what's getting kids on bikes, what we figured out after these, you know, 15 years of building trail, you got to compete with the video games and the phones. <laughs> so that's why you see a lot of flow trails. That's why you see a lot of trails that have little starting hubs with different trails leading from the hubs where, I mean, it's a video game going through the woods. and. I learned from my son who's 15 now, but watched him growing up. He didn't want to go out in the woods and just do a suffering XC ride. He, he would climb up to go down and jump and berm and all that. So 
that's why it's just a playground here. You see a lot of flow trail, a lot of jump trails. And our elevation here in Bentonville is, you know, 125 feet, but we use every <laughs> inch of it. Now, as you go south, we'll we'll have over a thousand foot of elevation change. But here in Bentonville, it's we can roll out the front door and get on to the good trails. Like some of our friends from Colorado love it here because they they're used to climbing two hours before they get to the trail. They can roll out, do a 30 minute spin on lunch and ride the trail the whole time. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's a couple other programs I wanted to talk about. One of the things I find super interesting is there's uh, Mountain Bike Afghanistan, I think it's called. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, and correct me on any of the stuff I'm getting wrong, but it's basically a, a new program to bring mountain biking refugees from Afghanistan here. And so maybe you could just describe that program real quick. But then my big question is like, how do you get to cherry pick the refugees that mountain bike, you know, as, as opposed to just, is it not like just a lottery system? Well, like people get there, there's a lot more to that. Actually, it's Fareed Nori who founded Mountain Bike Afghanistan. He's an amazing individual. At 16 years old, he left Afghanistan on a state department program and came over to the U.S. and finished high school by himself went to Middlebury College in Vermont, got his degree. We got connected just through the bike industry last year, right before the pandemic kicked in. But we hosted him. We brought him here for a week. Everybody fell in love with him. And uh, we basically figured out he needed to get his master's degree. So we connected him with the University of Arkansas and they fell in love with him and he's getting his master's here. So all along this time, we, we were not planning, you know, obviously we didn't foresee the fall of Kabul and Afghanistan. So he was raising money to do different things over to in Afghanistan to continue to get more women and kids on bikes. And he was doing a wonderful job. And there was a lot of support from our community trying to get some bikes and gear to, to women. But then with the fall of Afghanistan, all of a sudden these women over in Afghanistan that were really influencers on social media going out, you know, showing that they're on bikes and wearing the gear, they became on a list, you know, where the new regime was was going to basically, wasn't going to end well for them. So now Farid has kind of changed mission from not, not from just trying to activate more kids and women on bikes in Afghanistan, but to get those over here, get those, those folks over here and get them to safety. So uh, he's been trying to come up with a plan to bring those cyclists here because there's a there's a nonprofit called Canopy that's bringing refugees into Arkansas. But for Reed's ideas, let's bring the cyclist here because this is where they'll be the most happy. So he's, you know, trying to compile a list, and we're trying to work with Canopy and the politicians involved, and just try to, to your point, cherry pick those cyclists so they can come here and be part of our community. Awesome, that's really cool. All right. couple other, this is just like literally just fun stuff. Oh, actually we should talk about the, uh, NWAC bike builder accreditation, accreditation program before we get to the real fun yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was really something that really kind of was an idea last year at this time. And our community college in Bentonville, Northwest Arkansas Community College. Actually, it was, um, Dave Olson from Eric's Bikes, who's the chair of the Bicycle Industry Education Association. He had this idea that, you know, why can't we roll out a program in community college to, to teach individuals how to become bicycle mechanics? Not just a two-week program like Barnett, but a, a full in-depth program where you walk in, maybe a novice, and you leave with a, a certified and guaranteed a, a wage 
a living wage in a bike shop or in the bike industry. So uh, Dr. Bolander, who's the one of the directors over at the community college, thought it was a great idea. We, we of course, thought it was a great idea. So we collaborated and uh, helped them build out a, a really cool bike tech school in one of their buildings. I mean, it is a it is a beautiful shop that can hold about 24 students, big monitors, park tools everywhere, painted floor, bright lights. I mean, it's it's really neat. And um, there's a scholarship program. And so there's now, there's actually, with the night program and the existing day program, there's 30 students over there, and they're learning how to become certified bicycle technicians. Now, we selfishly, we wanted to recruit a bunch of great technicians for our bike shops. That way, when people come here, they're, they can get great service at our multiple bike shops in Bentonville and around the region. But what we didn't realize is there is such a need across the country. I mean, there's hundreds of openings across the country. We do know that Trek is coming in November to recruit because they've got a couple hundred openings I've heard in their corporate stores. The the industry wants some independent bike shops are calling. So the college, their their phone is ringing off the hook. So we're going to have to double the size of this classroom, you know, and get more students in there because the need is so high. But also, this community college has a construction management degree, and we're going to roll in a trail builders trade school there and really focus on design because as much as we have folks out there digging, the design, you know, and laying out of the trail systems and creating these awesome features, that's where the specialty skill is lacking. You know, there's only a few of those fine artists, you know, out of a hundred trail builders, you may have one or two that can really design really well. So we want to, we want to do that. We want to be able to help uh, grow those individuals. I mean, we're building two to three miles a week here. So we have got the, uh, you know, the places to plug these people in and, and be able to help mentor them or along. With yeah. And get some hands-on experience. Hands-on experience and see what works and not works. You know, I can try to design something. We'll instantly see if it's uh rideable or if it holds up to the weather. Not let it grow over or bulldoze it and start That's over. That's right. Awesome. Cool. All right. So some of the fun stuff is uh, you guys have a glow in the dark bike path. We do. One of those chip and sell uh, little loops behind one of our junior highs Aaron Rogers, who's the owner of Rock Solid Contracting, one of our main trail builders, had an idea of sprinkling these little glow crystals mm-hmm. into that chip and seal. And if you throw a black light on it, it glows. So uh, Mike Spivey, who's our uh, events director, he has he leads our nonprofit events company, had an idea to have a Halloween glow ride last year. You know, hung a bunch of black lights around the loop. 800 kids showed up in costume, riding bikes. And we pretty much had to shut it down at nine o'clock because they wanted to keep riding all night. But it was a lot of fun. Had a tunnel that you had to ride through to get there. And we had actors from the local spook house come down and scare the kids. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, cool. I mean, just the fact that you got 800 kids and that was like, yeah, it was no big deal. We got 800 kids. I'm like, I don't even, I don't think there's 800 kids in my town that, you know, would come out for anything. Oh my gosh, they came from everywhere. That's awesome. Uh, Let's see. I'm just kind of skimming through my notes and that sort of is most of it. But I, I want to go back because I actually wrote down like that whole um, movie quote, you know, if you build it, they will come. And that's really like what it seems like here is somebody had the vision to just start building stuff. And maybe it was selfish to begin with because I want trails, you know, but you guys just keep adding. And it's kind of like, well, if you were a city planner, why would you not find some way of budgeting for the cool stuff? Because there's so many cities, I think, right now, like ours in particular, I, you know, in Greensboro. I love living there, but I'm, 
in my 40s, couple of kids, and it's a great place to settle for a family, but it's not the kind of place where you graduate from college and you're like, I'm moving to Greensboro. That's got all the cool stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And here, you know, you guys clearly attract people because you're growing like crazy. It's been fun to watch it over the years. Again, when I moved here, this was this was a tough sell to get people to move here. I moved here because of my corporate job at Walmart. But today, I'm actually, after I leave here, I'm going to go speak in front of a group of 40 that are here attending a two-day conference we call Trail Labs. And it's a, there'll be mayors, park directors, volunteer group leaders. They're here to learn from us on how to initiate trail systems in their, in their communities. And we're sharing everything we, we know with the world because it works. I mean, it's proven we've had an economic impact study that was done in 2017. It showed uh, the two counties here were impacted $27 million in, in one year with just tourism, $51 million with just economic benefits of people getting on bikes, spending their money. And then the health benefits were proven to be $87 million because your people are getting active. They're staying healthy. You know, they're not spending time in the hospital. So it's, you know, they're more productive at work. So that, that's all been proven in, a, in an impact study. We're going to redo the study next year because we know that exponentially we've grown the number of people that visit here. We've exponentially grown the number of people locally that are riding. And again, you know, build it and they will come. Definitely we prove that. But we also prove that you build it, they will become cyclists. So again, and the secret sauce is getting the kids excited about bikes and the secret to that is making these fun little flow trails, little jumps, progression, you know, smooth trails with packed clay, also hard surface, asphalt, and different materials. It's less intimidating. You know, we see over and over at some of our pump tracks where, you know, kids on $50 bicycles are able to ride on asphalt. Can't do that on some of the rocky, rubbly trails, but you can ride on smooth asphalt and they can learn how to handle their bike. And then they become mountain bikers later. So it's, you know, BMX is going to be big here too. We we do have BMX tracks, but we're going to put a bigger emphasis on that because Strider, kindergarten, BMX is the next phase. And then mountain biking, you know, when you get into kind of the NICA age, which is sixth grade on up. So BMX is a really important second grade through fifth grade, you know, platform. I, I raced BMX growing up. That was my thing. And that helped me learn how to handle a bicycle. How do you separate out that tourism benefit from cycling from the, I mean, so many people come here to deal with Walmart constantly just from a business. So how do you separate the two, you know, people coming in on business travel versus recreation? Trail counter data, surveys, bike shop data from rentals. I mean, just you have to do a lot of assumptions, but there's a lot of surveys that were done over the year. Now, moving forward, we're going to try to use geofencing data where you can actually hover a line over the, the trail itself and capture that phone data. Every Everybody that has a phone in their pocket, if they have an app, they've given permission for their information to be sent out to cyberspace. So we're going to capture that and find out where you're from, what your zip code is, and how long you're on the trail and where you went to eat, where you went and spent money in town. So we'll be able to capture that data in real time and be able to really come up with a robust economic impact study. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't want to get tracked, turn Wi-Fi and Bluetooth off? Or <laughs> Well, you know, they say that they're going to capture it even with that off. Yeah, Who knows? probably. Who knows? Probably you know, understand how much money you have in the bank. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what your crypto wallet is. That's right. I mean, obviously, there's permissions and, and privacy, but we're going to utilize, you know, find out who's on our trails from where and where they went while they're in town. That's the two things we're looking at. Right. 
And I should just say, like, as, as scary as that can sound, I mean, anytime you're going into a Target or a Walmart, they're probably doing that anyway. Every store you're going to is probably tracking you now to see where you're hovering in the aisles. So just leave your phone at home. Yeah, you leave your phone at home if you don't want to get tracked. That's right. Okay, so I'm, I'm curious, like, a couple of quick takeaways. Like, if I were a municipality listening to this, and I'm like, oh, man, all that sounds great. I don't even know where to start. What are these first steps? Do you guys have some of the resources you mentioned, like, do you have that publicly available on the website somewhere that people can go to? Yeah, we actually have the International Mountain Bike Association, IMBA. They lead our trail lab program, and they've got their website, imba.com. You can register for a trail lab in Bentonville on their website. You can also just come here on a visit. We we do uh, personal tours as well. You know, if somebody wants to reach out and just come out here and take a look, you know, we host communities all the time, but probably the the most uh, well-rounded way to do it is come to a trail lab. But, you know, we started with five miles. The, the first trail system in Bentonville, when Tom Walton decided to, that was what he wanted to do in his hometown, we built five miles. And that was wonderful for our community. It just grew to 150, you know, pretty quickly. But, um, you know, five to 10 miles of trail is pretty easy to, if you have the property and you just do some bidding on some of the, uh, nationally known trail builders and they build a trail that is the catalyst and you know you can build if you have a volunteer group and a professional working together you can build single track very reasonably it's a lot cheaper than a than a baseball diamond you know or a football field or a tennis court and um, the return on investment is amazing so i would suggest every town in america build you know a you know pump track and a trail system it's uh, it's really been proven. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. And um, I'll put links to some of the resources and other fun stuff in the story for this, along with links for places to ride. If you are coming to Benville, we've done actually quite a few stories on the area. So thanks a ton. I appreciate it. You betcha. I've been to Bentonville about five or six times over the past eight years. And every time I'm floored by their progress. As a cyclist, especially if you're a mountain biker, it has to be on your bucket list of places to go. We've written several where to ride stories on the area that lay out all the other fun stuff to do there and some great restaurants to eat at. But the most important takeaway here is to see what's possible when the whole community gets behind a vision. It might seem like this is impossible. After all, they have massive private funding and a nearly blank slate to start with. But the most important thing is that they started and we can all start somewhere. I've put links to their resources and our own stories in the show notes for this episode. Find them at bikerumor.com slash podcast, and then share them. Send them to your city and county council members. Send them to your local advocacy group and trail builders. Share them with your fellow cyclists. The more people who see what's possible and want it, the more we can start getting bikes near the top of the planning priorities everywhere. You know who else gets it? 10 Barrel Brewing our podcast sponsor who makes a juicy IPA called Hazy Trail and whose slogan is drink beer outside. That's something we can get behind and huge thanks to them for getting behind our podcast. Next time you're at the store, look for 10 Barrel Brewing Beers or head to one of their breweries if you're out West. Thanks a ton for listening. If you like this and you want more, hit subscribe on your favorite player and give us a quick rating and review. Stay tuned for our interview with Upstart Bridge Bike Works in the next episode to hear how they're about to shake up carbon fiber bicycle manufacturing in North America. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.